You're listening to episode 162 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is traveling around Europe with the Logans. You're listening to Christian Travelers Network, the podcast and platform where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hey, Christian Travelers, I'm so glad that you tuned in today. We have some amazing guests who just got back from a trip around Europe. Uh, But before we dive into that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you can find other faith and travel resources and opportunities to connect with other Christians on our online platform while you're traveling as well. But without further ado, Keith and Beth Logan are passionate travelers, but they also have a passion for serving. Beth has served in many different ways, including being a piano instructor for over 15 years. Keith is the executive director at Trinity Hope. He helps to serve lunches to children in Christian schools throughout Haiti. So without further ado, hi, Keith and Beth. How are you guys doing? Very well. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. So can you tell me a little bit about yourselves and um, what inspired your trip to Europe? Sure. Well, Beth and I have always loved Europe. Uh, On our 25th wedding anniversary, we went over there, just the two of us. And while we were there, we were having a great time and talked about someday we'd love the opportunity to go over there for a longer period of time. It took 10 years to implement the plan. But we finally were able to go over there for one year and just enjoy the the different countries and just engulf ourselves in the culture over there and really try to work on becoming a local. So we were over there for one year and it was an incredible experience. That's awesome. What were some of the places that you guys visited? Uh, We lived in four different countries. We started in Scotland for three months and then we moved to Italy where we lived for three months and then we moved to England for three months and then we lived in Portugal for three months. We also visited uh, 15 countries total while we were over there. Wow. So what made you guys choose those places? Well, (laughs) there's something called the Schengen Agreement in Europe. And in order to stay more than 90 days in a Schengen country, which is 26 countries, um, you have to have a visa. And it's very, very difficult to get a visa for an American to go over to Europe unless it's for work or medical reasons or family. We Mm -hmm. did not have a valid reason, so we were unable to acquire a visa so we then decided that it would be ne- what we could do is spend 90 days inside a Schengen country and then 90 days outside of a Schengen country, and we wouldn't be breaking any laws. Uh, fortunately, the United Kingdom is not in the Schengen area. So that is why we started in Scotland and then we spent 90 days in Italy, which was a Schengen country, and then 90 days in England, which was not, and then we finished with 90 days in Portugal, which is. Interesting. Okay, well, that's good to know. What were some of the logistics or pieces? I know you said it took about 10 years to put the whole plan into place. What were some of those things, um, if you feel comfortable sharing, that you guys did to prepare for this trip? 
Okay, you're right. There's a lot of work that has to go into it. Certainly, it didn't take us 10 years to put the plan together, but it took us 10 years to get the kids out of the house and to get one of them married off. And so we had a lot of things like that that were just life events that we knew Mm -hmm. certainly we were never going to miss. So we needed to get those behind it. Mm -hmm. Once we really started to get serious and say, okay, we think this can happen. It did probably take about two or three years. Uh, The logistical issues that we had to create or come work through were, Mm -hmm. what do we do with our house while we're gone? What do we do with our vehicles? What do you do with your pets? What do you do with your jobs? How do you afford to do this? Uh, You know, just all those things. And that's just on the U.S. side. But on the European side, we had to figure out, as Beth talked about, what four countries did we want to have as our home base? Uh, Where were we going to live when we were over there? How were we going to pay bills that we still had in America? All those. And so it took quite some time. Uh, It took a fair amount of research to figure out how all of that would work. Uh, and, and then to kind of get it all lined up and it came together, but it was a lot of work, uh, but certainly well worth it. Nice. What was your budget or what did that look like for you guys? So we, it's a little bit hard to define exactly what our budget was because we couldn't separate expenses that we had here in America and expenses that we had over there very easily. So while we were over there, we still had to have a lot of American expenses like our medical insurance and we own some rental property over here. So we had to have maintenance done at times on those. And so those kind of impacted the available cash that we had over there. But I would say that probably the expense side on the European side of the equation for our rent, for our transportation everywhere over there and so forth probably was between 5,000 to $7,000 a month. And that sounds like a lot, but that also included all of the excursion traveling that we did while we were there. For example, if we were uh, staying in um, Portugal, we took a week-long vacation from our vacation uh, in Morocco. And when we were in Italy, we went to Greece. And so those uh, excursion trips were pretty expensive, just as though you're going on any other vacation, but we still had our our home expenses while we we're in Europe as well. So probably around $5,000 to $7,000 a month. Interesting. You mentioned also house expenses in addition to the excursion. Um, what did, I guess, like what was the housing arrangements? Did you guys just find a condo? Did you rent something in those situations or what did that look like? We had an apartment in each city we lived in and we lived in larger cities while we were overseas and our first city which was edinburgh scotland we actually used an agent to find our apartment it was um, a two-bedroom apartment in a residential area and then we actually found the other three apartments through airbnb but there are many people on Airbnb who will only host long-term rentals, which is considered 30 days or more. So okay. that worked out and they're much homier and they're very, very well um, supplied with everything you need. And uh, that worked out very well for us. 
Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, a lot of Airbnbs have the kitchen tools and the things so you wouldn't have to bring that with you then exactly. in that scenario. So what uh, were some of the maybe cultural things that you noticed um, on your travels that were different from home? I would say, I mean, America is wonderful. And, and, and America is the land of opportunity. Absolutely. We noticed that there. There are many differences. In America, if you work hard enough, you're going to accomplish your goals. Whereas that's not always a possibility in other countries within the world. And that became very clear to us simply because we were in places long enough to observe and, to, and get to know residents well enough to really hear what life was like. Also, though, on the other hand, I would also say that um, in general, I think one of the things that draws us to Europe is the lifestyle they have in Europe. Uh, Europeans are more relaxed and, um, you know, they will linger over their lunches and their dinners and they um, do not hurry for too many people for too many reasons. And uh, they're very family oriented in general, very, very family oriented. It's a very just comfortable environment and we loved it. That's awesome. Um, and really interesting um, that they have a much more relaxed and less busy kind of mindset. In uh, some of the cities that we are in, they still do siestas. So you would do something in the, in the morning, but the restaurants or the stores or whatever would literally close during the afternoons. And then they'd open back up again in the later afternoon. And then the restaurants would not open for dinner until at least seven o'clock PM. So it is just a much more relaxed, slower pace for the most part. Um, in all the cities that we were, you walked everywhere. Uh, you did not have cars. There was a very, very walkable countries everywhere we were. Um, and so it was just really a different culture, but ultimately when it came down to meeting the people and getting to know them, we really found people are people all across the world. They're pretty yeah. much the same. They all had the desire to generally be friendly and helpful and, and just look out for the best interests of their family. And so it was really neat. And one of our favorite things was just getting to know the locals and just becoming friends with them and, uh, being outside the realm of being tourists uh, and just kind of getting plugged into the local communities. Nice. Um, what were some ways that you guys connected with locals or even the Christian community? Well, there, uh, one of our highest priorities, as soon as we arrived, was to try to find a local church that we could get connected into. That didn't really happen too easily in Scotland, but when we were in Scotland, it was in mid-2021, so uh, COVID was still a really dominant thing. And so a lot of the churches were still not worshiping publicly. Mm -hmm. And so we tried, but we just frankly ran out of time before we could really get plugged into one that was going to be good. We tried probably five or six. But in all the other countries, we found uh, a local church that worshiped in English. And that was um, a big part of our community. Uh, in, in Italy, we joined a small group and we met every week, just like small groups do here in America. And we prayed together and we, 
we studied the Bible together and worshiped certainly on Sundays together. And they became our, our friend network. Uh, and in uh, England, somewhat the same thing. Um, the, in, in Europe, of course, there's a lot of Catholic churches. They don't have the denominations necessarily that we have here, like a Lutheran and a Methodist and a Baptist. They'll have uh, Church of England and Church of Scotland. And so we found a mostly non-denominational Protestant church, and those are the ones we got plugged into, relatively small, uh, but just good, good, good worship experiences. So that was that was a lot of our community. Yeah. Nice. Beth, I remember overhearing you say that uh, they were just really strong to their faith and that they had some yeah. really deep Bible study conversations. Would you like to um, talk about that? Well, Keith and I were aware before we went to Europe that Europe was considered post-Christian. And mm -hmm. I think that actually began after World War II. Um, and it's con Christianity has continued to decline. I would say worship and the practice of Christianity has declined. There are many, many, many people in Europe who would say, I'm Catholic, but they do not practice their faith. Um, however, the people that we met with overall, they are on the front lines in many ways because Christianity, there is not a church on every corner or the churches are really viewed as historical buildings that you go in and admire, mm -hmm. not for a religious purpose. The, the people who are Christians and profess their faith really strongly study the faith um, and know how to support what they believe. And it was inspiring. It really was. That's awesome. Um, it sounds like they kind of have to know it inside and out to defend their faith a little bit more so um, than some of the freedoms that we have here. We Yes. Uh, Christianity, you know, uh, right to practice our religion is obviously uh, something that we have in America and we take it for granted because it's always been there and we don't worry about not being able to do that now every place that every country that we lived in that was not an issue it was really more of a societal situation mm -hmm. yeah Interesting. As you were traveling along, what were some of the highlights or favorite memories from your guys' trip? Um, for me, my answer would be just going to different countries and seeing the natural God-created beauty. It was absolutely amazing to see some of the things that we saw and the diversity that you would see from even just within one country. Uh, Morocco, we saw literally in whatever month we were there, I don't remember. Um, we saw snow to desert sandstorms, to coastal areas, to mountainous areas, all within a 10-hour period of time. And so just very, very diverse. And then you go to beautiful places like uh, Isle of Skye in northern Scotland and the Algarve region in Portugal and areas of Greece. It, 
it was just the Alps in, in Italy. When you get to see all of those different things, they are so diverse from one another, but they are all just amazingly beautiful. And it just allows you to recognize what an incredible artist and creator our God is. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Beth, what were some of the highlights for you? The natural beauty was absolutely the biggest highlight for me, hands down. Um, pictures really don't do it justice. You have to see everything. Uh, there were actual times when I was speechless. And I remember talking to Keith and saying, how can people not realize, how can people think there's no God when mm -hmm. this just doesn't happen randomly? This is so <laughs> amazing and so creative and mind just, a human cannot conceptualize the beauty God has placed on this earth. Also, oh. the other highlight I would say for both of us were the people the kindness that was shown to us by complete strangers was just amazing and it really restored my faith in humans and gave me a really positive outlook and, and I might add in a semi-humorous manner two of the other favorites were uh, something called pastel donata in <laughs> Portugal, which is an amazing custard tart and sticky toffee pudding in Scotland. Amazing, amazing desserts. You really need to try them. <laughs> I love it. Uh, if I'm ever over there, definitely going to have to give Absolutely. them a try. <laughs> nice. On the flip side, what were some of the challenges of spending a year traveling? I would say... In the beginning, our biggest challenge was dealing with COVID. And that was an issue throughout the year. However, we left when it was still very high. And uh, Scotland had some of the strictest requirements in Europe to the point where we were not allowed to travel outside of Europe, uh, outside of the UK, excuse me. We could not even go to the Republic of Ireland. We could go to Northern Ireland because it was part of the United Kingdom, but we could not leave. Uh, and the restrictions changed constantly. Not only did they change from country to country, but they also changed throughout the time. So that was something we really had to stay on top of. Just coming back to America, there were a lot of, protocol we had to follow yeah um and and i would answer that that the number one concern we thought we were going to have really was not an issue and that was going to be the language barrier mm -hmm. because we don't speak portuguese we don't speak italian of course we could speak english american english for scotland and and uh england but even that was a little bit of a challenge uh, with some heavy accents, ours and theirs. Uh, but overall, for the most part, on the entire trip, we had a very, very minimal number of issues from language barriers. So our fear of what the challenge was going to be was was unfounded. We didn't really see that. Um, but the transportation systems in a new city are difficult to learn. 
uh, when you're just trying to get around from point A to point B and you don't know the, the subways or the, or the uh, tube stations yet and you don't know how the trams and the buses work, uh, that can create a problem. Pretty much in every country, we had, we had one major disastrous transportation issue. Um, and sometimes it involved getting on the wrong train and going the wrong direction. Sometimes it involved a rental car being towed because we parked in the wrong place. Sometimes it involved uh, missing a transportation opportunity that we were supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. But when you're on a long trip like that, you just got to chalk it up to part of the experience and, and just yes. kind of you know, roll with the punches and, and, and learn from it and, and move on. And so by the time we left each of those countries, legitimately, we had other tourists asking us, how do you get here and how do you get there? And we were comfortable enough to be able to kind of give them some direction and guide them. Nice. Um, would you guys advise doing longer stays in countries um, from your experience? Um, my answer would be, it depends on what their objective is. Our objective was to cross over that border or that boundary from being a tourist to being a local. Mm -hmm. And I think that in each of the countries that we stayed in, we are able to achieve that, but it was because of the duration of time. It really probably took after that 60 day mark and before the 90 day mark to feel that way. So if that's the objective and you really wanna get, you know, kind of engulfed in the local culture, I think you really need to be there three months or longer. Um, but obviously you can't see as much of an area that way. And so uh, depending on what the objective is, but we will certainly do it again. I'm not sure we'll stay for a year in another place, but I do think that if we wanna really get embedded in an area, we'll stay there for three months or more. Um, what tips and advice do you guys have for someone who's thinking about doing a year long trip? Uh, it takes an enormous amount of planning. Every single prism of your life is affected when you leave. I mean, things that you don't think about on a daily basis, you have to think about before you leave. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say there's the big planning and there's the detail planning but when we actually went to Europe, we knew where we were going to stay in Scotland. We did not have our other places defined. We knew which countries we were going to, but we did not have apartments uh, secured. We did that when we got over to Europe. Um, we did not exactly know where we would go when. Mm -hmm. we, we made those decisions when we got to Europe. Before we left, the majority of the planning took place to prepare for us leaving America for an entire year. We did all of the excursions and traveling to foreign countries and things like that. Once we got there and got the lay of the land, we would always take the first week uh, when we moved to a new country to just settle in and kind of get to know our way around where we were. And then mm -hmm. we would uh, start planning, what do you want to see? Where should we go? How are we going to get there? That type of stuff. However, even with all the planning, as Keith said earlier, 
you really have to go with the flow to a point. Everything's not going to go according to plan ever. And uh, I mean, sometimes that happens on a daily basis. So. Um, I think my answer to that question will be first and foremost, do it. If you have the opportunity Absolutely. to be able to go for that long of a period of time, do it. Take advantage of it. You will not be sad. Secondly, though, leave your American expectations in America. When you are going to embed yourself into another culture, you just can't do it well if you're trying to turn that culture into your own America. So right. uh, be brave enough to and try the food. Be brave enough to, to do the things that locals do and things like that. Uh, and then thirdly, I'd probably say make sure you have um, whatever it is necessary to have good internet service. Uh, we've talked many times about, I can't imagine trying to do this trip without GPS. <laughs> it was a huge, huge benefit. Yeah. Uh, and then even things like trying to figure out when you go into an area, a country, an excursion trip, whatever it is, what do you do? Things like, uh, frankly, TripAdvisor was very good. And other things, Airbnb experiences, we relied on that a lot. So when we would go into a new country, uh, we would literally take out a legal pad and write three categories. What do we want to do in our local city that we're staying? What do we want to do that is driving distance from there? And what do we want to do that is more of a longer, you know, long term or a far away excursion? And we just do a day's worth of research or a three days worth of research on Google and just say, OK, these are the things we want to do locally. And there might be. 15, 25, 35 things on that list. Yeah. Here's the places we want to go that are within driving distance. Maybe there's a dozen of those. And here's the two or three places that are a flight or a long train ride away. But we're not going to get the opportunity to see those again. So let's do it while we're here. Mm. That, that format worked really well for us. Yes. Every day we get up, we say, okay, let's look at the list. What do we want to do? And do a local thing and then say, what about next week if we go do uh, a three hour away? trip and just kind of plan it from there. I like that strategy a lot. Um, I don't think I asked earlier, but did you guys have employment or other work that you were doing while on this trip or were you just solely focused on the experience there? Um, I still was working. The intent was for me to reduce the time that I work and the compensation that I'm paid from 100% as full-time to 25% part-time. Mm -hmm. The compensation part worked effectively. I did go down to 25%. The work part, not quite so much. A lot of really, really critical things happened in Haiti uh, with the assassination of the president, a major earthquake, a mm -hmm. lot of growth opportunities. So at certain times I found that I was working more than 25%, but it was still all within balance. It was definitely way less than I would have here mm -hmm. uh, in the United States would have been working. Um, and so we had a little bit of income coming in, uh, but also, I think I mentioned earlier, we have some rental houses here. That income clearly, clearly helped a mm -hmm. lot to kind of uh, bridge the financial gap and stuff. And so, um, you know, that was worked out really well. I was working part time and it was necessary for me to stop working because I had a job where I had to travel and visit. and. Uh, do things like that. So it was necessary for me. Yeah, it didn't translate it, it, well remote then. 
No. no. <laughs> um, uh, Keith and Beth, I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast. One of the questions that I always ask our guests is what has been your biggest God moment in all of your travels? You know, I, I thought about this a lot. Uh, the obvious one was God's beautiful creation. Whenever we were someplace within the natural beauty, it, mm -hmm. it just overwhelmed me. Mm -hmm. uh, it was so amazing. It literally left me speechless. Also, uh, you could feel, I just really felt God's presence with us. It, it was, we, we have so many things that could have gone wrong. When you travel, there's many, think about everything that could go wrong every day in your home. And then to be in a foreign country where you don't speak the language and things, God kept us safe. And it was very apparent that his presence was with us at all times. And it was very comforting and mm -hmm. uh, just so reassuring. Uh, and, and finally, uh, one thing Keith and I tried to do this entire time we were gone, as well as even since we've gotten back, is continue to express our gratefulness to God for the opportunity he gave us. It was mm -hmm. not all sunshine and roses. We had days that were less than pleasant sometimes. But the fact that God gave us this opportunity is incomprehensible, actually. And I'm so grateful, so absolutely grateful. And we tried to always, we always expect our, our gratefulness for the opportunity to see mm -hmm. other parts of God's world that he created. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Keith, how about you? What has been your biggest God moment in all of your travels? Yeah, I would probably uh, concur with Beth that, that just the recognition of, of the creator, the creator of natural beauty and of the different countries that we were able to see and how they are so, so different but also so, so the same. Uh, yes. When you're driving along a meadow, you could be in a meadow going through Iowa. When you're in the mountains, you could be in the Smoky Mountains or you could be in the mountains of Northern Portugal. And in some sense, they look the same. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would say where I really sensed God was um, in the people as we mm -hmm. just got to know them more, more and get to know them better, the relationships that we'll be able to create, the opportunities that God presented to us for us to be able to share our faith journey and our story um, was very evident. Uh, at times it was walking along a food tour with uh, a tour guide and they would open the door by asking, so what do you do? And as we talked about, I work in ministry and that opened the opportunity up to be able to witness to them. And some of the questions that they asked in that post-Christian environment was, well, I don't really understand this. And how is how is Catholicism really different than Protestant Christianity? And just opened up so many opportunities of conversation that really, really, you know, just planted a seed potentially. And we'll see we'll see what the Holy Spirit does with it. So 
you could really see God act uh, in that way. Mm-hmm. And then the other way, which is just a gift to Beth and I, we've been married close to 35 years. It'll be 35 years in a couple months. And just to have his gift to be able to remove all distractions and busyness from our relationship and just to be able to concentrate on each other in an environment mm-hmm. where we could just really pour into each other in every way was just an incredible blessing and, and clearly a gift from him. And so I think all of those rolled up into just being an amazing year. It was really, really, really a year that we will never forget. And oh, as you hear it kind of as a cliche, a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing. How can our listeners connect with you outside of this episode? Uh, well, before we left, we created a, a uh, Instagram account, uh, which then ties over to Beth's Facebook account. Uh, and the Instagram account is KB2, the number two, so KB2 Europe. And we just posted tons of pictures out there and, and just uh, little short stories about each of them and stuff like that. And so we're still somewhat maintaining that, obviously not posting anything about Europe anymore, but still checking in to that and, and replying to uh, messages and so forth. So that's probably one way. Uh, and then um, email, I guess, if somebody were interested in, in emailing us, we have an email address that we maintain all the time. That is KBKBLogan, because it's Keith, Beth, and then our daughters, Kira and Brenna. So KBKBLogan at gmail.com. And if people have questions and want some guidance or some help on, you know, trying to put something together, especially if it involves Europe, we'd be happy to help. Give them all kinds of agendas and itineraries and recommendations of do's and don'ts and all that. We'd be happy to do that. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate having you guys here. Thank you, thank you for very having much. us. Mm -hmm. Well, Christian travelers, I hope that you have been inspired and encouraged by Keith and Beth's story and that you may consider traveling Europe or somewhere else for a year to really connect with locals and really get to see God's beauty in his creation. Um, And if you're looking for an episode related to this one, I encourage you to check out episode 60, the one-way ticket Naomi Wells took to Turkey uh, with 600 US dollars. She took a flight and it led her to year-long trip as well or episode 102 what makes yellowstone national park unique with natalie ogborn and she talks about god and his beauty in creation uh, thank you so much for tuning in today i encourage you to hit the subscribe button leave a review and share this with a friend those are three great ways to encourage more people to connect their faith and their travels until next time safe travels and god bless